Hi there, and welcome to the Birth Story Therapist Podcast, a safe space for mamas and parents to share their birth stories, discuss common issues experienced with parenting, feel heard and validated, engage in discussion about the complexity of their motherhood journey, and how they manage their mental health while doing so. Come here every week to hear from other mamas who are just like you, figuring it out one day at a time. Hear from myself, Crystal, a licensed therapist and private practice owner of Southeast Perinatal Counseling that specializes in maternal mental health. I'll share helpful techniques to manage your mental health as you navigate motherhood, both in the perinatal and postpartum period work through grief and trauma experiences, and most of all, ways to regain your sense of self. This is also the opportunity to hear from other professionals, both in the mental health space, birthing, and motherhood world. Professionals like lactation consultants, doulas, homeschooling experts, and organization specialists, just to name a few. While I like to think that this budding podcast is an extension of myself and practice, this is also yours. This podcast is for exploration, acceptance, and self-compassion. I welcome you and hope you'll join me every Monday for a new episode. For now, follow me on Instagram at birthstory.therapist or connect with me at southeastperinatalcounseling.com. It's important for me to say that this podcast does not replace the connection that is recommended with a licensed professional. If you are experiencing a life-threatening emergency, please call 911 or go to your local emergency room. I am really excited today because we are joined on this episode by another one of our mamas. I'll let her introduce herself again, but first, I just want to welcome you to this safe space. I am completely honored to share this hour with you, to hear your story, to be able to bring it to other mamas and couples who may be, you know, going about their motherhood journey or journey throughout parenthood and be looking for inspiring stories, which I'm sure you'll be able to share with us. Um, I know that this is also a time where mamas don't get to engage and connect with other mamas. So um, I'm also thankful that we're just able to have this time um, to share amongst each other. And I extend you throughout this time of you sharing uh, my sincere empathy and support. So tell us a little bit about you. Um, What do you do? Where are you from? Any other interesting information that would help us to get to know you a bit better? Okay. Well, I'm Kenyatta. I currently live in Columbia, South Carolina. I have been in Columbia for almost 10 years. Um, I am originally from the upstate Simpsonville, Greenville area. Um, I am a social worker, currently um, work as a medical social worker, a case manager with the hospital. I am married to my husband, um, who is my college sweetheart. We have been together for almost 17 years and married for almost 10. And um, we have four kids, actually four boys, ages 6, 3, and 13 months. Emily, so walk us through that. What does your journey to motherhood look like? Um, well, we were, we got married in what, 2011 and we decided that we were just going to kind of enjoy our marriage, um, you know, travel, do whatever we wanted to. Um, and actually sometimes we talk about, you know, how our life was before we had kids and how we could just get up and go. Um, I remember when Obama won his second term. And like that night, we booked plane tickets to go to the um, inauguration. And of course, like that's a thing of the past. We we can't do that now, being that we got four boys. But um, so we waited um, a few years and then we started trying um, maybe in like early 2013. And it it took us a couple of months. Um, We were disappointed, you know, each month when we 
you know, learned that we weren't pregnant. But finally, when we were able to get pregnant, um, it was like everything happened so fast. We got pregnant. We bought a house. So we were like trying to move and do all this type of stuff. Um, and then um, Kaden was born in 2014. And we were like, okay, we know we want to have more kids. Um, but really, we were like, okay, one more is enough. Um, so then we waited for a little while longer because we wanted our oldest to be out of diapers and fully potty trained before we started um, having start trying to have another one simply because we live in Colombia um, and we don't have any family here. So we knew it would be kind of difficult um, for us as far as, you know, still trying to focus on our marriage and, you know, raise our child and not really getting date nights and stuff like that. So then we ended up getting pregnant in 2016 with my middle son and um, all was good. I started a new job and, um, you know, everything was going well. So at times we talked about, okay, do we want to try for a girl or are we okay? Um, and we do, um, at that time I was doing extracurricular activities like recreational kickball and my oldest, you know, was old enough to play soccer and all that type of stuff. So we were kind of busy. So we were like, okay, we don't think we're going to have any more. Um, lo and behold, two and a half years later, we, um, definitely were not trying, um, and ended up pregnant by surprise and, um, found out that it was twins. Um, I went through a whirlwind of emotions. Um, I think I felt guilty. I was sad, depressed, um, just everything. I don't think I actually started getting happy about the pregnancy till I was about halfway through. Um, and still too, you know, learning that they were yet two boys, um, although I love my boys um, more than anything, but was just a little disappointed um, that I was like, man, I got four boys, but um, now I wouldn't trade them for the world. But um, just definitely going through a whirlwind of emotions and um, twin pregnancy is very, very, very hard, um, especially when you already have kids. Um, and it's hard on your body. Um, that was my third pregnancy, um, and was my third C-section. So, you know, just growing two humans at the same time was like miserable. I don't think I slept in the bed, um, probably the whole nine months and just being sick and you have more doctor's appointments because you're considered high risk. So, um, yeah, it was, and then it took me a while to recover too, um, simply because that is a lot on your body. And like I said, that was my third C-section. So, um, just going through that, um, and then, um, COVID happened. So it was like, okay, we're stuck here with four boys, you know, no one can come in and out the house. Um, we don't really get a break and it was, it was just a whirlwind of emotions. I guess I'm wondering, you know, throughout, you know, your first pregnancy, the second, and then the surprise of being pregnant with twin boys, you know, how do you think your expectations have changed or um, your ideas of how to to cope through um, maybe difficult situations or just unexpected situations, right? You know, I heard you say mm -hmm. that, you know, y'all had questions about, are we going to try for a little girl? Are we going to try for another one? And then to your surprise, you were pregnant and not just pregnant with one, but with two and then <laughs> two boys at that. And so, yeah, just share with us your expectations and how you kind of, you know, manage the unexpected as those arise. Um, I don't really know. I guess like with kids, I really didn't have well, right now, I really don't have any expectations. We were just kind of going with the flow. I feel like with just the two, it was a little bit easier because, you know, it's two of us and two of them. And it was a lot more to, you know, a lot easier to handle when we ended up having the twins. Of course, it was, you know, his mom was 
you know, oh, I'm going to come and help. And my mom was going to come and help. And uh, we have a family friend that was close to us that, you know, oh, we're going to help. We're going to do this. And initially, you know, it was pretty good. But I'm also a little hesitant um, just about people being around like my kids, especially as newborns, just because I feel like I'm a little OCD, you know, and people got germs and all that kind of stuff. Um, but then, you know, my husband's um, father passed away like shortly before COVID came well hit in South Carolina. So we were hit with that. Um, and it was, it was a lot because he left to go home to take care of that. And I was here by myself, two month old twins. And then at that time it was a five-year-old and a two-year-old. So, um, and then COVID happened and then I lost my job. So expectations, like it was like, wait a minute, like everything is coming at me from all different angles. You know, I'm trying to be a mom to these twins. We were breastfeeding. It was a struggle in the beginning. Um, they were born technically at 37 weeks. That's full term for twins. But sometimes, like in the lactation world, they kind of still consider that premature. So it it took a lot in trying to do that and still, you know, trying to be a mom, trying to be a support system to my husband who had just lost his father. I had just lost my job. Um, So my expectations were like, wait a minute, what is going on? Um, And I think at that point, is when like my anxiety kicked in and I ended up having postpartum depression. I just felt like it was so much um, to deal with. Um, So it was was a lot and I ended up having to reach out to my um, OBGYN and having a conversation with her. And I think that because we are here in Colombia with no like close family around. I have tried to be super mom and like do everything and not ask for help. Uh, I do have a neighbor um, who has kind of stepped in and like she helped with food and um, she would come and get my older two just so we could kind of get a break and get a nap and nap when the twins were sleeping. So she definitely helped out, but um, I just, you know, and I still have this issue of trying to be super mom and not asking for help and things like that. But um, now my expectations are a little bit different because they are older um, and their needs are not as frequent um, as, or they're not as needy as they were, of course, when they were younger. So, um, I, I mean, I guess it's kind of hard to say because I really don't. <laughs> I'm sorry because I really don't have any expectations. I just kind of go with the flow because we've been in the house um, due to COVID, and I think if it if it we weren't in a pandemic, things would kind of be a little bit different because I probably would be working outside of the home, and we would have more of a routine, if that makes sense. It does make sense. And, you know, what's interesting is I heard you say, um, like, I don't have any expectations. And, like, that that's, that's honest at this point. And it is a very common place um, that moms find themselves in. Um, And I don't see it as being a negative thing at all. Um, I'm of the sort that you kind of do what you need to do in order to get through your day. And so, (laughs) yeah, right. Like we end up finding our footing and navigating motherhood in the ways that work best for us. And sometimes it's those expectations that kind of get in the way of us being able to give ourselves a break. Right. And Mm -hmm. so like, I heard you say that you kind of tapped your resources, your neighbor in order to help you do things. Um, And I know that it can be that tug of war. I heard you mention that, you know, you, it's hard for you to sometimes relinquish those responsibilities to other people. But then we have those moments where it's like, 
I'm so drained. I've been running on autopilot. I need a moment to myself. Right, I cannot do it right, right. Yeah. And so how do you think you've been able to, I guess, cope with understanding that there are times where um, I may need the support of someone else or I may need to seek um uh, a consult from my provider, your OBGYN, or whatever the case may be, in order for you to best serve yourself? Like, how do you cope with that? Um, that's something that I'm still working on. Um, I do go to therapy um, and I take anxiety medication. And I don't know, like, sometimes I feel like it's because um, I my background is social work and, like, just my, it's in my nature to help people. So, you know, I'm not supposed to be the one that's, you know, needing help or seeking help or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and I also think it's because of my husband and I's situation. Like, you know, it's just us and we just had to depend on each other. Well, my oldest will be seven in a few months. So basically for the past seven years, Um, you know, we've neglected a lot of things for us, you know, me and him in our relationship, just because, you know, okay, the kids come first, they didn't ask to be here. So we got to do what we got to do. Um, but I think that for me this time around, um, it, it started to kind of like interfere with my health. Um, like I was having chest pains. Um, I would just be crying for no reason. I had postpartum depression with my second one, but it was not as intense as it was with the twins. Um, and then again, you know, having four kids under the eight, five and under or six and under is a lot. Um, and like my back would be so tense. I would have knots in my back. And then of course, you know, COVID and just being anxious about that, having to leave the house, having to go to the stores, like, oh, okay, what if I bring something back and I have two little babies, you know, who could potentially get sick and they can't tell me whether or not they don't feel good. So I think all of that. And then my husband would always say, you know, oh, your demeanor has changed. Are you okay? Like I would just immediately shut down and like not talk and go in the bathroom um, and simply just cry. And then sometimes I would just feel off and cry for no reason. And I was like, okay, I I can't continue to live like this. I got to take care of myself so that I can be here to take care of my family and my kids. And again, it was that superwoman thing like, okay, you superwoman. Now, if you ask for help, then in my mind, it was like, okay, I know I need this help, but. I, I'm a failure if I ask for help and I can't do this all by myself. So once it got to the point where it was starting to affect my health and like I couldn't sleep, it was, I mean, it was just very stressful. And I was like, okay, I cannot continue to live like this. So that's when I, you know, essentially reached out because I remember my husband asking me, he was like, are you okay? And I was like, no. I mean, and him being a man, like he don't really know the signs or the symptoms to look for, um, in which he's like, oh, you know, I'm so sorry. I feel like I just missed it. But I mean, hey, he's a man. So, you know, but um, I just I don't know. I just knew that at that point it was it was definitely time to get help. I was like getting agitated. My attitude was short and it was yeah, it was definitely time for me to get help. And I was like, OK just because I asked for help. And then my therapist is also working with me on this as well. Like, you know, you can ask for help and that does not mean that you're a failure. So she was like that, you know, asking for help is a good thing. So I'm just trying to like train my mind to think that, okay, you don't have to do this all by yourself. Um, There are people out there who can help you. Yeah, I love sitting and just listening to um, the stories of mamas because like you can identify with so much that you're saying. So I obviously have a background in social work as well. 
I also experienced a perinatal mood and anxiety disorder, uh, specifically postpartum anxiety. And you brought up something that I just want to reiterate and highlight. And that was, um, you mentioned, you know, it's not supposed to happen to me. You know, like whether it was because of your background, because you're familiar with these sorts of things um, in your education, whatever the case may be, it's not supposed to happen to you. I also felt that exact same way. And I'm sure there are other mothers out there who can also identify with that as well. Um, when in actuality, 15 to 20 percent of women experience significant symptoms of depression or anxiety, either in the perinatal or postnatal period. We also know that that is underreported. So it's probably much higher than that. That lets us know that this thing don't discriminate. <laughs> like there's no like you you can't get it because you, you know, have. Um, this education or because you're white or because you're black or because you live in a city limit and you live in a rural area, whatever the case may be. No, this is something that can affect um, any woman, regardless of her background. And um, I think that it's just beautiful that you said that. And it normalizes the fact that you can come into motherhood having all um or to the best of your knowledge, all understanding of the things that you can do in order to um, maybe safeguard yourself from these types of experiences. But these experiences still unfold and it doesn't necessarily mean that um, you can't overcome them. It doesn't mean that you can't see them through to the other side or find the light throughout it, whatever you'd like to say. But it is significant to highlight the fact that this is so common. And like, here we are, you know, two people with master's degrees, two people in, in this field who both work in the in the maternal world and have experienced this. Like it, it is. Right. Yeah, it's astounding. It is. It really is. Um, you brought up something else that I just want to um reiterate and kind of kind of talk about for a little bit you you also said that sometimes when you have to reach out for help like sometimes you take that as maybe being a failure there's this interesting concept called emotional reasoning and it's something that I have to always be cognizant of as well um, and it's the idea the irrational belief that just because you experience an emotion that means that it's true and so, you know, for me, for example, I um, wanted so badly to birth my child vaginally and I was in labor for two days, unmedicated, and I had failure to progress. Like I could not get past five centimeters. And, you know, to me, just seeing that diagnosis of failure to progress, it made me feel like a failure. You know what I mean? And so mm -hmm. you know, one of the things that I think is so valuable, and I'm so glad that you brought it up for myself and for other mamas to remember, is that your experiences do not define you. You know what I mean? Like you mm -hmm. can have these experiences that... Um, do not go as as planned or as expected, or you can have these experiences that are unfavorable or unpleasant, but it does not mean that you have to assign those meanings to your worth and to your identity. And I think it's just beautiful that you brought that up because it's, it's that constant reminder that, you know, we are in control of certain things and certain things are outside of our control, but that doesn't necessarily mean that those things out of outside of our control have to define who we are. Mm -hmm. um, so I appreciate you sharing that. No problem. Yeah, yeah. When you um, were just like single with your husband, no children, <laughs> and traveling and doing all the things that, you know, two married people uh, do, um, what do you think were some things that maybe looking back that you grieve um, or miss. I heard you mention like, you know, y'all could just pick up and go yeah. <laughs> see Obama get in. Yeah. 
Um, definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, we miss that just being able to pick up and go. Um, we've also talked about, <laughs> we used to go out to eat like to nice restaurants and we would get an appetizer, a meal and a dessert. Now it's like almost 80 to a hundred dollars for all six of us to eat. So mm-hmm. we like, oh, we might as well cook at home. Um, and just, Another thing is I'm trying to incorporate this back into my life, but, um, you know, still trying to deal with my anxiety and all that kind of stuff, but definitely self-care. Um, cause I feel like it definitely went out the window, um, when I got pregnant with twins, cause it was a struggle to go to work. Um, self-care what, but, um, so definitely self-care, even if it's just, you know, riding around, um, sitting in the car, pulling up in the driveway and just sitting in the car for a few minutes, like just reading or relaxing or something. Or, I mean, well, I used to get like pedicures and stuff like that, but you know, I'm a, I'm a little scary right now. So I haven't done that, but I mean, just basically like taking that time out to take care of myself. Um, I feel like I have not done that and probably almost two years and mentally and emotionally I miss it um I do try to walk sometimes and like exercise but I mean that's I miss like what that part of you know just or even going out with like my girlfriends or something like that um definitely just missing that because of kids or like if someone invites us out for a date night we can't it's like either or either you know he's gonna go or I'm gonna go because somebody gotta stay here with the kids if his mom or my mom isn't available to to keep them so just that that type of I mean it's little stuff but I feel like it makes a difference Right. You know, the little things or the things just in general that you miss or that you um, wish that you could incorporate um, back into your life. How are you finding ways to do that? You know, I hear you say that, you know, you have your husband, you have your four children, but not a whole lot of support, if any, in Colombia where you're at. So how do you prioritize Kenyatta? I don't. Um... And that's probably, you know, something that I should do for me right now. My priority is my kids, um, you know, making sure that they're taken care of, um, making sure, you know, we got something to eat, keeping the house clean. Um, I have put myself on the back burner um, and I probably shouldn't do that, but I mean, I mean, it, it is what it is. That's just how life is for me right now. And my priority is my kids and my husband. And it's like, okay, well, I'll get to Kenyatta whenever. Um, and sometimes I feel myself just like so exhausted and running on fumes um, <laughs> because it's always, you know, well, you got to put the oxygen mask on yourself before you put it on somebody else, you know. But I mean, it it's... I don't know. It's hard. It's hard as a um, mom of one. You know, I um, am a working stay at home mom. And so, you know, my challenges look different. I know that you're a working stay at home mom right now because of COVID as well. You have four Mm -hmm. four boys at home. Um, And it is hard. Um, And I think that's why it's so important that we're having these conversations just to let another mama know out there that, you know, yeah, she may be scrolling on social media and see all these other moms out you know, getting their hair done, getting their nails done, going shopping, going out with their girls and traveling and stuff like that. Um, and may be defeated because she isn't able to have those moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just being able to hear from another mama that, you know, this is something that's common. Like it is a struggle in order to prioritize yourself. One thing that I would just encourage you, myself and other mamas is, you're right. You know, like that, that saying about putting the oxygen mask over yourself in order for you to be able to do it for your children and your family. 
it's so true. Like there, there is no way that you can, you know, be able to provide your children, your husband, your family, whomever, um, with, with the amount of care and attend attendance to their needs that is warranted if you aren't doing the same for yourself. And it does sound so basic and it sounds so cliche. And you look at the hours in the day and you're like, well, how the heck? <laughs> like, right. what am I going to find? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I, you know, it, it's honestly, you know, one of the things that you kind of have to make time for it. And it sounds so pushy. It sounds so like, like it may even sound blunt, but I'll tell you just in a moment of transparency, I I do my car sits too. I say, you know what? I'm going to Kroger. You know what I do? <laughs> I go and I get me uh, something to eat and I go sit in the Kroger parking lot and people watch and I listen to podcasts. And that's my way of having my own little time to myself. Or I say, you know what? You know, I am going to go and take a shower. And what I do is, I say, hey, the shower looks like it's going to turn into maybe an hour and a half, two hours. <laughs> and so, so you, you, I feel like it, there are times when we, um, we think that we have to do things, right? And so, like, obviously, yes, your kids have to eat. Your husband, you know, he can go fix his own meal, but he has to eat as well. Um, but, but yeah, like there are things that have to get done, you know, like responsibilities. But mm-hmm. then there are other times where I feel like we put such a such a huge amount of pressure on ourselves to perform um, and to get these things done. And I don't know whether it's because of society's views of motherhood or whether it's because of our own internalized um, beliefs of ourself and um, how we view motherhood. But I'm just curious, you know, what are your, um, I guess, beliefs about motherhood and, um, you know, how are they influenced by society or your upbringing um, is it traditional roles? Is it, you know, you having to take care of these needs because you're supposed to? Um, like, where do you think that idea of motherhood comes from for you? And what does it mean to you? Um, I think it's a little bit mixed. Um, my mom and I talk about this all the time, um, especially in like the African-American culture, like the matriarch of the family does every single thing. Um, you know, she would get up before everybody, you know, she would make sure, you know, meals were fixed and clean up the house and things like that. So I think, you know, I have drawn on some of that, um, but also just trying to incorporate my husband, um, you know, now he will, you know, help. Well, he can't really cook that good, but he will try to help cook. Um, so now, you know, we've got this little thing where um, he will cook breakfast on Saturday and then one day a week uh, he will cook dinner. Um, and like if we clean up, it's cleaning up together. So if, you know, I start cleaning the bathroom, he's like, OK, well, I'll clean the shower and the tub or, you know, just stuff like that. So trying to. Um, you know, mix the roles a little bit. So, and I just, being that I have boys, I don't want my boys to think that the woman is supposed to do everything because the dad can help. Like I've asked my mm-hmm. husband to show me how to cut grass. I mean, just because, you know, I don't want him to feel, I mean, he'll probably never let me cut the grass as long as he's able to. But I mean, I want it to be more of a partnership and less of, you know, the man goes out and works while the woman takes care of home. I mean, I still take care of home, but just trying to incorporate him a little bit more and saying, okay, like I can't do every single thing. You can, you can start helping too. You live here too. Um, and these are your kids too. So, um, I think that's kind of what has, help me and and I hate to keep going back to you know us having nobody here but um definitely you know just drawing on that I feel like that has strengthened uh me and my husband's relationship just because we don't have anybody so we got to depend you know we either gonna make this work or you know bye 
So um, I just feel like, you know, having to depend on each other and being each other's strength, um, that has definitely, you know, what has gotten us through and, and helped us to survive. Because it is surviving. Like, yes. <laughs> you have yeah. to be able to figure out how to get through um how to get through in the best ways that work well for you and for your family with what you have. And um, I, I also can identify with that. Like we are in Georgia and my family is in South Carolina. And so um, definitely not just having gone through postpartum, but just having a kid in general, you know, like when I think of my childhood growing up, like I remember my mom just like dropping me off at my auntie's house and like me and my cousins just like having a ball and running around. And my mom was able to, you know, go out with her girlfriends, like, mm-hmm. go out, you know what I mean? And just have that time. And, um, you know, times have obviously changed and mm-hmm. um, education wise, I think we're different from that generation in that we have decided to get education and venture out further into the world. And so um, it does create that distance from our support systems. Um, What do you think uh, has been helpful for you in sort of dispelling myths that you have heard in motherhood? And if you know of any myths, feel free to drop them so other moms can can understand what you mean. I don't know. I guess, you know, just going back to the mom has to do everything um, because that's definitely not true. Um, I mean, women, you know, yes, we are strong, but we we need help, too. Um, You know, we need that support system. And um, also, I feel like normalizing postpartum. Um, normalizing mental health, especially among the Black culture. Um, You know, in me being transparent, there's probably only two people in my family um, that know that I suffer from anxiety and from postpartum depression. Um, I had a family member to say, I was like, oh, you know, I just got to take this. I was like, you know, I, I need to do something because um, this is not, you know, what I'm doing is not working for me. So I need to either, you know, take medicine and go to therapy. And this particular individual said, well, you don't need that. We strong. And I was like, you know, that's, that's kind of what got me in the situation that I'm in now, you know, thinking that I'm strong and, you know, it's like, okay, I feel like in the African-American culture, it's like, okay, you pray about it, God going to, you know, save you, and then it's all going to go away. But, you know, for me, and I guess my background kind of plays a little bit into it too, is, you know, I feel like, yeah, I'm going to pray about it, but I also feel like God put these tools and these people here to kind of help me get through it as well. So I feel like definitely normalizing it because I feel like, you know, well, I guess a lot of women in general just kind of sweep it under the rug and it's like, okay, I'm going to be okay. Or, you know, don't wear your emotions on your sleeve or don't let anybody know that you're going through this because of how, you know, you may be looked at as being weak or something like that. But I mean, I just feel like if you reach out and let people know, um, it definitely helps because I know it, it has helped me and it's still helping me. Um, when I felt my anxiety getting, you know, it was under control and then I was like, okay, something's going on. You know, it, it, uh, we falling back a little bit. So I definitely reached out to my therapist and to my, um, OBGYN and she was like, okay, maybe we need to increase it a little bit. So, I mean, I just wish more people would normalize it. And I told my husband that, you know, I feel bad that, this is something that I'm going through that I really can't talk to my family about because it's like, you don't need that. Through, um, and I can attest to comments as well. Um, like, wow, like 
I just thought they were crazy or, you know, just like not understanding. Yeah. You know, like not understanding that it is like, it's, it's biological. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it's down to a science. Like it isn't anything that you can, you know, as you say, you know, pray away or um, put a bandaid over and just act as if it doesn't, it doesn't exist. You know, mm-hmm. there, I can get started on so many issues <laughs> with, where, you know, band-aids are put over things and it only resurfaces. You know what I mean? Like, right. it, yeah. Triggered, yeah, you know, you're triggered by something and it creates additional anxiety. It creates additional trauma. And it also reinforces the beliefs that like, you have to suffer through this thing when really there are resources out there. Like you don't deserve to, you know, have to deal with this a lot of times in silence, you know, thinking that you're the only person going through it, but then you also don't have to suffer when there are available tools out there. And I think that, that, um, the stigma, the idea that, you know, strong black woman, or, you know, we're black and we have to, you know, get through this. We've always get gotten through things. Yes. Like, yeah, yeah, we have. But if there are available tools out there for us that can make it easier, like why make my suffering worse? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's so important that you said that. And that's why these stories are also important to be told because it creates opportunities for us to dig a little bit deeper into maybe ask ourselves, you know, what beliefs am I holding on to that, potentially are creating barriers for me to access um, resources that I need in order for me to improve my mental health. So I really appreciate you saying that again. Mm-hmm. Um, what are oh, you hoping to this other thing too? Okay, um, yeah. So my OBGYN is black and um, she delivered two out of, well, two, three out of one, <laughs> out of four of my kids. Um, <laughs> And I really, really, really like trust her. I'm comfortable with her. And I think she has also like helped me to see that, you know, when something is wrong, um, if I go and she's like, oh, Kenyatta, I I see that postpartum depression kicking in. So she can like really pick up on it. Um, And I don't know if it's because Um, I work in the hospital where she delivers, but I really am, um, and I worked on the floor where she delivers, but um, I really am comfortable with her to where we have that kind of relationship. Um, And I don't know if a lot of women um, are that comfortable with their um, Mm OBGYNs to that point, but like she, if I'm doing something wrong or um, you know, if she want to call me out on something, she can. And I'm just, I'm very, very thankful for her. Um, or if I got a question about something, I can just send her a quick message and she'll call me back. So I feel like she has also, um, been a vital part in me, um, you know, recognizing what was going on, um, my stressors and trying to help me like get back on track. But not the only mama who I've engaged with who has said that it makes a world of difference when you can um, find some type of connectedness with your provider and Mm -hmm. they not just see you as my patient and a number, but instead they see the humanness in you and you're able to, you know, connect with them on a different level that goes beyond just, um, you know, whatever your diagnosis is or whatever you're going through for exactly um and much to your point being able to sit across from someone and receive care from someone that looks like you is also incredibly important and yeah yeah, and just you know knowing that they also can identify you know we're talking about maternal mental health but it brings up the point of you know the the maternal mortality rate within our community and you know, it is quite significant compared to our peers and, you know, being able to get connected with providers, whether it's your OB, your maternal mental health therapist, whether it's your doula or whatever type of provider you're working with, um, that they look like you Mm -hmm. or that they share the same values as you or, um, 
they know and not just are tolerant of your community, but they accept and they empathize and they <laughs> they support your community and all that you go through. So, um, so yeah, I, I agree. Like being able to have that type of connectedness is so incredibly important to build that trust um, and know that you are doing something that um, is not just uh, meeting whatever incentive that they need, but right. also yeah. directly improving um, and bettering your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, with your four boys, I know you mentioned um, their ages ranging. Tell me again, what did you say? Um, the twins are 13 months, three, and then six. Okay, wow. I, I, I don't know why I thought your oldest was older than that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but ranging uh, ranging in that age group, what do you think you've learned from them um, or yourself just in being a mother to these four beautiful boys? Um, that they are always watching um, and like they pick up on every single thing. Uh, I mean, just from who does what, um, like one day I had to go work in the hospital, um, and I got home and my oldest was like, mommy, daddy gave us lunch at 1132 and I had to go back to school at 1145. So like, just to, (laughs) to know that, you know, okay, mommy was gone and he knew like, okay, daddy may have fed us, but he didn't feed us at the time that mommy fed us. Or he's like, daddy didn't um, pick my hair out right. He was supposed to do it counterclockwise. And he did. I mean, so just like they watch every single thing. Um, And so one thing that we do as a family is um, we try to read the Bible and pray together as a family. And if we like forget one night or haven't done that, they're like, oh, mommy and daddy, we didn't we didn't read the Bible. We got to read the Bible before we go to bed. So um, just to know that those little type things that we're trying to instill in them, like they remember and it's working. So um, they have definitely taught me a lot. Having four boys have definitely taught me to be patient. I think that's why God gave me four boys. because I didn't really have any patience. So um, and definitely just kind of just going with the flow, especially, you know, being in the house due to the pandemic. Um, we just come up with any and everything to keep them entertained. So definitely, you know, just kind of going with the flow and not trying not to be too hard on myself if something doesn't go right um, or as expected or, you know, if we have to make changes to something. Thank you. Now, what do you hope to um, find within yourself, grow, nurture, whatever words you like to use? What What are you hopeful for for yourself um, for motherhood? Um, I guess to to know and learn that just because I am a mother, that doesn't mean that I have to lose myself or that I can't take care of myself. Um, That's something that I definitely, I know I need to work on and I'm trying to work on it. But um, yeah, just, you know, knowing that I can take care of myself and still be super mom or an awesome mom or whatever, because I mean, it, it doesn't matter to them you know, I think that, you know, they, they feel like they got the best mama in the world. Um, and then sometimes it's like, oh man, you know, we didn't play a board game. So I just like get kind of upset with myself. Like, man, you know, we, we should have rearranged something or did something, you know, so that we could have made time to play this board game before the weekend was over with. But, um, you know, just taking care of myself and knowing that I still can be an awesome mom in the process. I can appreciate that you use the word, I believe you use the word and, and so often we say, but, and what I mean by that is, you know, I can um, find myself and 
have uh, a sense of self and be this super mom that can be there for her kids. That and is so important because it validates that you are just as important as your children. And I know, I know we take on this, you know, I put my kids before I put me and I die for my (laughs) kids. And yes, all of that is true, right? I do the same thing for mine. But we also have to remember that it can't be at the detriment of you. You know what I mean? Like you can't, Mm -hmm. you cannot like, you can have all of these things and be able to have you as well. And so I can appreciate the fact that you said, and, um, because you can have those things. And it's a balance that we all struggle with in motherhood. When you said um, that we didn't play a boy game, I kind of chuckled over here because I was thinking about my my 20-month-old and thinking, I have that mom guilt too. Like, (laughs) Like, we literally try and go outside every single day so he can run around. And then the one day we don't get outside, I think at the end of the night, like, you suck, Crystal. Like you, you should have figured out how to like, I don't know, skip this and took them outside, or like you said, rearrange that in order to make it happen. But you bring up a point that I, 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 I literally try and remind myself when I, you know, try and point out some things that I'm grateful for throughout the day is that your kids, they see you as the best mom. Like they don't know anything else except that my mom is the coolest. Like they only only see you at your best. They only see you at your best. And so I think that's that constant reminder um, that we all have to learn to, to balance in our life is that, you know, we can have that sense of worth, have that sense of self, kind of reclaim our identity Um, grow into and become who we want to be as individuals um, because we're that before we're a mom, um, but still be able to show up for our kids. So I appreciate you. And is there anything that you'd like to, you know, share before we get off? Is there anything that you think would be important for another mama to know? Um, no, I really enjoyed this. I feel like it was, um, very therapeutic for me. Um, just somebody to talk to outside of my husband, um, was, (laughs) it's always good, but, um, I mean, just be open to the other moms. I would just say, be open and honest with yourself. Um, and you know, it's okay to take care of yourself. Um, and, yeah, I just say self-care is very important because it's beneficial in order for you to be effective in taking care of your kids. Hey, you, I appreciate your time. And I know that this story, your story, um, has definitely touched me. And I'm sure there are others out there who can too identify with a lot of the gems that you dropped today. Um, I hope that you'll join us again for... <laughs> another episode and you know again completely honored to have shared this space with you and I know that it is also something for me that um, is a constant reminder that I am not the only mama as a therapist as a (laughs) as someone who is educated as someone who has traveled who also can experience these things and um every day wake up and try and rock it and kill it and everything let me know that that's exactly what you're doing so thank you (laughs) no problem you're welcome thank you all right take care you too bye-bye